G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Get ready for pointed and challenging words on today's Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. Dr. Yusuf will help you better understand and experience the words in Matthew chapter 5, offering an invitation to move beyond obedience to a life of righteousness as you seek and follow the Lord. Here's Dr. Michael Yusuf. Today I come to the main course in the Sermon on the Mount. This is probably the heart and soul of what Christianity or the Christian faith is all about, because the heart and the soul of the Christian faith is Christ. So the Beatitudes were stepping stones to get into a point where becomes the salt and the light. And here, after this preparation, leading us to the very heart of the Christian faith, get ready to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 to 20. Jesus said, do not think. Can you say that with me? Do not think. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Only Jesus could have known what they were thinking. (laughs) Many of you know that today, even some traditional Christian voices are crying out, screaming out with the top of their voices, let's get unhitched from the Old Testament. I'm going to show you from the Word of God what a fallacy that is. They said the Ten Commandments, they are outmoded. They are irrelevant. They are obsolete. Here's an outline to these verses. First of all, Jesus is saying that God the Father is the author of the Old Testament. That's what they refer to as the law and the prophets. Secondly, God the Son is the authenticator of the Old Testament. Thirdly, no one should abrogate the Old Testament. Fourthly, God will only accept those whose righteousness exceeds or surpasses that of the Pharisees and the scribes. So, I have all those four words all start with the letter A. See? Put the letter A four times and then fill in the space. Authorizing, authenticating, abrogating, and then accepting. Remember those. First of all, the law was authored by God the Father. It was authored by Him. The Bible said in Exodus chapter 20, God spoke all these words. Not some of these words, not part of these words, all these words. Now, in order to get to the depth of this part, you need to understand that 
Jews made a mess of the commandments. So I'm going to show you, actually, examples. They made a mess of them. And their mess that they created, they took it as authoritative as the Word of God itself. And one of the reasons Jesus was trying to do is basically tell us what the original intent was. Now let me give you just some example to give you a taste of how these boys stressed the wrong thing. When God gave a commandment, one of the commandments is the Sabbath rest. Why? Because God knew by nature we're going to be enslaved to our iPhones and iPads, and we're going to be workaholics, and we're going to try to work hard and make money, and we'll work day and night, day and night, day and night. So God said, no, there is one day a week in which you should stop working and focus on me. See, that is the very heart of the law for the Sabbath. And so the rabbis came in and they said, well, what does that mean? We need to really explain it to people. So they say, carrying any load is a breaking of the Sabbath. A bunch of lawyers came in and said, no, no, well, you've got to define what a load is. <laughs> you understand what I mean? So they said, well, we need to define what a load is. And so a bunch of them came in and said, any load that is bigger than a fig is breaking of the Sabbath. And the other one says, well, any milk that is larger than a swallow, just one swallow, to which your tonsils <laughs> is the breaking of the Sabbath. The other was to come in and said, no, any honey that more than you place on a wound, probably two drops of honey, is a load at the breaking of the Sabbath. Then another group come in and said, no, 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 any oil that's more than enough to anoint a small part of the body, that's a load. And my goodness, it goes on and on and on. It's entertaining if it wasn't sad. As far as the Pharisees were concerned, all of these opinions of these rabbis are as weighty as the Word of God itself. But when Jesus was referring to the law here, He specifically was talking about the Ten Commandments. Why? Because God the Father is the author of the Ten Commandments. And that is why Jesus said, when He gave the Ten Commandments, the Lord said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Just in case, I want to identify myself as the author. Secondly, that is why Jesus came to authenticate the commandments. Jesus came to fulfill the commandments. Jesus came to complete the commandments. Jesus is the only one, the only one, the only one who ever lived on the face of the earth. He was able to keep all of the Ten Commandments all of the time. None of us could do it. And that is why He was sinless, perfect Son of Man and Son of God. In fact, He came to show us that the law actually pointed to Him. In fact, the entire Old Testament is pointing to Him. From the time the law was announced with thunder and lightning all the way to the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, that is all of them, all of them, all of them were pointing to Jesus. Please hear me right. This is very important. To fulfill is the opposite of to destroy. 
up to this point, no one, as I said, no one was able to keep the commandments, only Jesus. This is another way of saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of the longing of all of the Old Testament. Look at it this way. The Old Testament was like a house without a roof. Jesus is the roof. <laughs> the Old Testament, a sketch, Jesus is, gave a definition. Jesus not only bring about the explanation and the fulfillment of the law, but He did not bring about totally new teaching like some people would have us believe. He came to authenticate the Old Testament. He came to clarify its original intent, original meaning. How? By perfectly obeying the law that God the Father has authored. And that is why, listen carefully, all the ceremonial laws, all of the ceremonial laws ended with Jesus. Because all of the ceremonies, all of the sacrifices, all fulfilled in Jesus alone. Let me explain this. Jesus and Jesus alone became the great high priest. Jesus and Jesus alone became the sacrifice for all of our sins. Jesus and Jesus alone became the ultimate feast and celebration. You see, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies, but Jesus entered into the heavenly tabernacle. The high priest in the Old Covenant entered once a year. Jesus entered once and for all. The high priest in the Old Covenant went beyond the veil, but Jesus tore the veil in two. The high priest in the Old Covenant offered many sacrifices, but Jesus, our great high priest, offered only one sacrifice. The high priest in the Old Covenant offered sacrifices for his own sin, then the sin of others, but Jesus offered his body only for the sin of others. The high priest in the Old Covenant offered the blood of bulls, but our Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest, offered His own precious blood. The high priest in the Old Covenant always was temporary, but Jesus, our great high priest, is the eternal and permanent high priest. The high priest in the Old Covenant were changeable, but our great high priest, Jesus, is unchangeable. The high priests in the Old Covenant was continual succession one after another, but Jesus is the great high priest who's forever the high priest. High priest sacrifice was imperfect, but our Jesus, the great high priest, had the only perfect sacrifice. Even the ceremonial offerings found their fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why they all ended with Jesus. The burnt offering was a symbol of purity and perfection, but Jesus Christ Himself is perfection incarnate. The meal offering was a symbol of dedication, but Jesus was the authentic picture of dedication to His Father. The peace offering was a symbol of peace with God, but Jesus Christ now is our peace. The sin offering was a symbol of substitution, but Christ Jesus Himself is our substitution. Even the feasts in the Old Testament found their fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Passover, which was the celebration of the physical salvation of Israel from the land of the slavery in Egypt, Jesus, our Passover, gives us eternal salvation. It's forever and ever and ever. The Feast of the Unleavened Bread was a symbol of purity and holiness. Jesus is our holiness. The Feast of the First Fruit celebrated God's blessing. And when Jesus rose from the dead, He became the first fruit for all who have fallen asleep in Jesus. The Feast of the Tabernacle meant to represent a union with God, but only Jesus is our true uniting us with God the Father. You see, Jesus authenticated the Old Testament. He authenticated it. God the Father authored it. God the Son authenticated it. Thirdly, I want to say that God the Holy Spirit helps us, empowers us, strengthens us to not abrogate it. I'm going to explain it because I want to tell you it is impossible. You heard me right. It is impossible to accept the authority of Jesus as Savior and Lord without accepting the authority of the Scripture. They stand together. Anybody says to you, ah, Jesus is my Savior. I just don't believe all the other parts in the Bible that I don't like. (laughs) Phony with a capital F. (laughs) I know how to spell phony, but I just thought you kind of make sure you're alive. (laughs) See, they stand together. To accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord is to accept all that He taught in the Scripture. Listen to what Jesus said. Not me, thank God. Not a megachurch pastor. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commandments will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I know it is fashionable these days. I know, I know, I know, because I listen, I stay in touch with what's going on in the world. It is fashionable with some evangelical preachers and teachers to say, you know, the commandments are outmoded. The commandments ought to be replaced by the Sermon on the Mount. And all I want to do is scream from the top of my voice, are you kidding me? Do you know that the Sermon on the Mount demands more than the Ten Commandments? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus upped the ante, not lower the bar. I'll give you an example. In the commandment, it said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Who did Jesus say? Yeah, I know you heard that, but let me tell you something. The moment you lust after somebody, you already committed adultery. Ooh. (laughs) He upped the ante, didn't lower the bar. Oh, we should replace the Ten Commandments with the Sermon on the Mount. They're probably hoping that people don't know what's in the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) He said, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. Jesus said, I know you, but here's what I tell you. If you harbor anger and bitterness toward your brother or sister, you already committed murder. Tell me that that is not a very high standards. On and on and on I could go. But listen carefully. The burden of my life for the rest of my life is to equip you to discern the false teaching that goes on around us. It's the burden of my heart. It's what keeps me up at night. 
Nothing else. And they come and say, we no longer live under the law. We live under grace. Well, of course, that's a truism. We know that. That's true. Yeah. But when they say that, they mean grace is a license. Huh? License. That's what they mean by it. Please don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Jesus is not, is not, is not, is not. How many of these? Is not saying that we're saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. Don't misunderstand me. He's never said that, and I'm not saying that. No one a million knows. The law is a mirror that tells me that I'm a sinner and heading for hell. It tells me that I'm a sinner. I'm in desperate need for the Savior who kept the law perfectly, who's invited me to hang on his coattail. That's the only way I'm going to make it to heaven. Don't ever forget that God's moral laws are the reflection of the character of God. Don't ever forget that. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 6.15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid! May it never be. So question, what is grace? What is grace? Grace removes the penalty of the law, but only for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. The commandments reveal our sin to us, but grace of God forgives our sins when we repent. The commandments reveal our hopelessness in trying to obey God in our own strength. But the Holy Spirit gives us the power and the strength to obey. So let me summarize so far. The Father, God the Father, is the author of the law. Jesus, God the Son, is the authenticator. Thirdly, God the Holy Spirit empowers us not to abrogate the law and the prophet. Fourthly and finally, God will only accept those whose righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes. You know, I remember when I was a young Christian and I read this, I said, rocks of rock. There is no way. I mean, on the surface you read this, impossible. I mean, these guys were so meticulous with the details. These guys were scrupulous about keeping the law. I mean, they wrote themselves uh, sticky papers everywhere on the walls and even on their forehead. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. <laughs> Who am I going to? My righteousness exceeds theirs. There is no way. I can't keep up with that. Listen, if meticulousness <laughs> and keeping of the religious rituals would take you to heaven, I mean, these guys would be at the front of the bus. But the only righteousness that pleases the Lord is a righteousness that no one, no one, no one, no one can accomplish. I am not discouraging you. As I said, I'm going to let you shout in a minute. What is that righteousness that exceeds, surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees? It is the very first step of the Beatitudes. It's the first step declaring spiritual bankruptcy. 
of coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I have no righteousness of my own. I have nothing to stand on. I have no righteousness that put me in the right standing with you. There is no amount of good that I can do that will gain me that righteousness. And then, and only then, you hear the voice of Jesus say, Welcome. Welcome. You made it the first step. Welcome. And then he continues, Only my righteousness that I give you is that righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes. Only when you cling to my righteousness will get you to heaven. Only taking upon you my righteousness that will make you acceptable to God the Father. All these religious hypocrites, all those show-off religious people, all these self-sufficient frauds, they will never make it to my Father's heaven. (sighs) Only those who have nothing and declare that they have nothing to offer. That's what poverty in spirit means. That's why it's the first step of climbing the ladder. Blessed, happy, makarios are those who are poor in spirit. Please, please trust me when I tell you that Jesus is saying hypocrisy is not a substitute for holiness. Jesus is saying rituals is no substitute for righteousness. Now, whether you are a person who has bought into this horror of amorality, or you are a person who thinks that you're good enough and righteous enough to make it to heaven, both opposites, but both will end up in eternity of torment. And that is why the invitation is now. Jesus is saying, come to me now while you can, because the time is going to come when the door was shut and nobody will be able to enter. Come to him. Hang on his coattail. Enter heaven on his robe of righteousness, not yours. Will you do that with me as we pray? Father, I don't know everybody, but you do. The Holy Spirit brought them to this moment, to this time, to this message because, Father, you want to save them because you love them just as you loved me and you saved me from my self-righteousness and from my endeavoring to do better every day and I failed miserably. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, bring all those elect to your kingdom right now. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said amen. Are you poor in spirit? Maybe listening today stirred questions about life and what you value. Well, we'd like to invite you to have a conversation with a leading the way pastor. The pastors on the team are happy to answer questions and help guide you in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. The first step is going to ltw.org slash Jesus. Don't wait. ltw.org slash Jesus. Well, that music is our reminder that our time together today is at an end. Do listen again next time, won't you? This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.